0: Solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot,
1: and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's map.
0: If so you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. <laughs> Expecto Patronum!
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Today we're discussing chapter 18 Moony, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. So we have Anna back with us again.
0: Hi!
1: Uh, she kind of likes this chapter.
0: It's no big deal. Yeah.
1: Uh, so uh, this is going to be a really brief rundown uh, because this all happens in one room. <laughs> so this whole <laughs> it's chapter. the room where it
0: happens. It's the room
1: where it, it really is the room where it happens. Uh, Hamilton. So we basically, this entire chapter takes place in the Shrieking Shack. Uh, between Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Sirius and Lupin having this big conversation where Lupin just info-dumps a lot. And so uh, Sirius is very impatient. And the rest are just like, what the actual heck is going on right now? <laughs> like um... The
0: reason they try to instill on this conversation that Hermione tries to instill on this conversation wait, 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 is wait, wild.
1: What? <laughs> like, um, if, if you know Hermione's trying to get clarification on things and she's trying to keep up, then you know it's like, a, what are we talking about? Anyway, um, I, I just wanted to start this off really quickly with, we need to give Ron his props because... So many props. A, he has a horribly broken leg. And, and this entire time, since he left Hagrid's hut, he's been holding on to this squirming rat who's been biting and scratching him. And he's been holding on to it.
0: Well, first he held on to the biting, scratching rat. Then, while doing that, he held back Harry in the last chapter on his broken leg. Then he rolled on top of Sirius so that Sirius couldn't get the... Like, Ron is just very active with this broken leg We need to and give the biting, Ron... scratching, bleeding hands.
1: We need to give Ron a toughness card. Like, he gets a yes. card for toughness here. Absolutely. Because, my goodness, You're I... Indoor. We see him in the chess scene. Mm -hmm. It's a tough, brave Gryffindor moment. And obviously he helps Harry in a lot of different ways in the Chamber of Secrets. But this, I feel like, is low-key the toughest he's ever been. (laughs) (laughs) It just goes completely unnoticed. Like... Give Ron some props. Give Have you ever
0: been bit me or scratched I'm me? I'm tossing that
1: thing. like
0: second, just boom, f- it's gone.
1: Chuck it. Like, I
0: scream yeah. dropped by Peter Pettigrew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not having any of it. Uh, Sirius is obviously very single-minded here. No. He is only there for one reason and one reason only, and it's not Harry. No.
0: no, it is not.
1: But this quote that I I have here is just, uh, it's dark, it's aggressive, it's threatening, it's all of the above. I want to commit the murder I was imprisoned for. That's a line.
0: That made me think of a question. Yeah. That's a very muggle question.
1: Do you (laughs)
0: think the wizarding world has double jeopardy?
1: Oh. I mean, like,
0: Sirius didn't finish serving his time, so it's a moot point for him. But, like, say... He didn't escape. He was released, and he went free. And he committed the murder. He was in prison for. I wonder if would he, could he, be he again. get
1: in prison yeah. twice for it, or would they just imprison him for the original sentence and be like, "Well, you did it, right. so we're going back to it, right?" Like, I just like. Split um, it
0: through my mind, and then I moved on. The
1: honest answer is probably they'll find a way <laughs> to, know, exactly. to put you ask back in Azkaban. That's what I was thinking too. So, That's what I was thinking
0: too. Especially uh, if Fudge is the minister. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, Sirius is basically—I hate to call him one-note, but he's basically the one-note throughout the entire chapter of just like, "Can we get this over with now? Can I like can hurry I up, him? Remus. Yeah. Like, can we get this over with? I kind of want to kill him now." Um, Only
0: one will die tonight.
1: You almost forget Sirius is even there until he chimes in with these threatening, like, one-liners. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I just get the... And you still have to picture that that description that you read in the last mm-hmm. chapter of this man sitting in a corner just wanting to kill something. He's not
0: sitting in the corner anymore. He's sharing the bed with Ron. Oh, that's
1: right. I'd he be freaking much.
0: terrified.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ron's like, get away from me, Remus. Get away from me, Lupin. And he's got, like, this guy sitting next to him. Okay. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. Anyway, so Lupin essentially controls this entire chapter. Yes. And he just lays out a ton of information. A lot of which goes back to, uh, well, the, the, pref- the premise of it is Harry, you have to understand. Like, you have to understand at least a little bit of this. You got to know what we know, you got to know who we are a little bit.
0: Which I think is a testament to Lupin. Like, he's taking in so much information for himself right now, right now, too. He even says, like, Sirius, you're going to have to help me. I don't know all of it. But he's so determined to make sure that Harry understands.
1: To be fair, Harry is in a... I think, uh, literally, Lupin, he gives him back the wands. Yes. He puts his own away, and he's like, you're armed, we're not. Can you just listen to me for a second? Harry's not exactly in a talking mood in these two chapters, uh, the last one and this one. Uh, he's more of a in an action mode.
0: <laughs> Again, Harry.
1: Yeah, it's very much Harry, uh, and I'm sure Ron would be just as thrilled if he could actually stand on two legs. Uh, Hermione's a little bit more curious. It's like, no, wait, how does this play out? <laughs> like, but
0: that's, that's also Hermione. I get it. TV, I know. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: It, yes. Role delineation to its finest right <laughs> here, but. Anyway, so we, we learn a lot about, well, really a lot of things about Lupin uh, mm-hmm. and, and the whole werewolf background that Hermione kind of outed to uh, the whole room right. last chapter. And he's like, okay, yes, I am a werewolf. Here's how that goes. I love how he also pointed this out to him. He's, even in this moment when it's so tense and there are literal lives on the line, Lupin still pokes at people. Oh, yeah. Because he poked at Hermione in the he last is marauder chapter.
0: He's a marauder for a reason, dude. He might.
1: He's 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 phenomenal in so many ways. But he poked at Hermione in the last one, being like, Haha, "You only got one out of three right." Here he's like, "Harry, I literally told you that the Whomping Willow was put here when I got here. What you think that was for, me?"
0: Oh, I've never read it that way before.
1: Yeah, it was like I, I, mean, literally, I literally told you literally
0: this. Read it. Well, yeah, he he says like, "Oh, I told you this information." Yeah. Now let me tell you a little bit more about that. Like, oh, it was actually my fault.
1: Yeah, I I just I, the only reason I thought of that was because of his Hermione comment in the last chapter of like, yeah. guys, I literally, I, I just told you this. He kind of details that. He details his friendship with, uh, really the other three of them, all three mm-hmm. of them, and. He gets into how the Wolf's Bane Potion wasn't a thing yet when they were in school, and his struggle of, because he was bitten as a child.
0: Yeah, I think eventually, you know, like, JK ended up telling us he was four, I want to say, when he was bitten. Okay. Like, I mean, that's...
1: Young kid. Young kid.
0: Imagine being a little child, not understanding what happens to you. It's horrifying. Yeah.
1: But it's horrifying on a lot of different levels. And the
0: pain that he describes? Oh my gosh.
1: He gives a very vivid description of being a werewolf and the horrors that are involved in it, both from the onlookers around and the actual individual themselves. Uh, Really good job describing that whole totality of the scene. And then, so they say, like, Wolfsbane wasn't invented yet. That wasn't a thing. So the risk that Dumbledore takes on by even letting him into the school... Uh, he goes into a great deal describing the gratitude that he has and the yes. risk that Dumbledore went out on a limb for him to even come there. And all of the things that went on for him to even stay there, like planting the Womping Willow, which I'm sure was not a small undertaking for a couple of different reasons. It's a plant that likes to beat on things. Right. Like, putting it in a school is even probably just the
0: mechanics of a different person sneaking him out of the castle... Each yeah. month, and like once a month for they're at Hogwarts for a large chunk of the year. Yeah, to keep it unnoticed, that the only people who figured it out were James, Peter, and Sirius. Like it's kind of shocking. Yeah, but
1: but and and that kind of goes to you know how close they were uh, and oh yeah you know not everybody was probably Lupin's you know best friend forever. I, I, look, as cool as Neville is, I'm sure nobody really, like, is paying attention to his day-to-day, like, schedule necessarily.
0: True.
1: So it's like... Or Seamus or Dean or whoever you want to throw out there. No one's really like...
0: Seamus oh, and Dean pay attention to each other's schedule? They have matching tattoos there Them!
1: Now. But, like, the Gryffindor common room as a whole is not like, where's Dean every Thursday? Like, you know, whatever. Sure. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Wolf is not a thing. So, I got to figure out different ways of, uh, as you just pointed out, shuffling him out of the castle right. and having a safe, controlled spot for him to uh, become the werewolf. And then um, Sirius and James figure it out. And then this is, and we can kind of get more into this in the spoiler section. Um, they spend. A lot of time figuring out how to best work their friendship and keep their friendship together. And we'll have details on that, but we can get into it in the spoiler. Uh, they talk about, like, literal time frames.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I find fascinating. Oh my
0: god, so fascinating. Which I think you did. determine. I did.
1: You did a whole thing on anime I,
0: I went down a bit of a rabbit hole.
1: So we'll get to that. We come back for the spoiler <laughs> section for that. It's gonna be great. But skipping past that for right now, uh, he does mention, like, Werewolves being an only danger to people, which mm-hmm. is a whole side discussion that we could also get on. And I have questions about it, and again that crops up into our Omega's discussion. But he gets to the point where they helped, even without the Wolfsbane potion, which we learn helps keep the he individuals' mind. mind. Yeah. Which is fascinating. That's a really cool aspect of that magic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like okay, we can't figure out how to undo that werewolf curse, so how do we figure but out a way person, to manage it?
0: Yeah.
1: It's a cool it outside-the-box idea. He points to them as friends without the use of the potion, being able to kind of rein in his personality a little bit and still have a little bit of himself yep. in there. which
0: His it, mind became less wolfish, is yeah. I think is the way he worded
1: it. Which is kind of a cool thing to delve into as well Mm -hmm. of how exactly that works and is there like and there's another thought I just come up with now as I'm speaking but like is that an inherent form of magic that's not talked about
0: well I thought it went back a lot to the discussion you had with Elizabeth over whether Animagus can communicate with other animals ah yeah but then there's also the added layer of Lupin himself is actually, is a wizard. So it, he's not like an animal wolf. So like, is that an added layer to like, is it a bunch of like wizarding people who are already close? Does their friendship that's already been established, does that add another layer to the fact that he's able to keep his mind? Or is it just that there's other animals that are kind towards him? I feel like there's just a lot of layers.
1: What I was thinking is, You know, we know of spells, you know, of Cheering Charms or Expelliarmus or what have you that are like specific, obvious, in-your-face magic spells. Mm -hmm. We also have heard of other spells that are a little less visible and more subtle, like older magic. The example I was thinking of is Lily's magic by saving Harry. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like in-your-face overt Magic. It's like, right. I, I, but I don't want to call it like a, a trick or like a little like, you know.
0: To me, it's like it's summer. like a deep earthy magic. It's like yeah. ancient. Yes. So it's forgotten for the new flashy like spells. Spell-based thing. That, yeah.
1: It's, uh, so if a mother can have that type of magic towards a son and it's just a deep bond, Mm -hmm. if you had a friendship Mm -hmm. that was so deep, could that supersede other forms of magic?
0: I would say yes.
1: That's where I was going with that, is the whole... Because
0: it, it is, you know, the level of friendship I think the Marauders had for each other, that Harry, Ron, and Hermione have for each other, that is a level of friendship different... But I would argue, as a person who has very close friendships, equivalent to the love Lily laid down when she saved Harry. You know, different. Well,
1: I mean, there's different but, words for love. I mean, there's different, like, forms of right, love. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. There's different forms of love. And just because there's different forms doesn't make them equally strong. So, like, I, I would say, you know, like, a different animagus being in the Shrieking Shack with Remus as he's transforming would not have helped him keep... You know, Sever- say Severus Snape became an animagus and was in the sh- Shrieking Shack with Lupin. It's not going to help him keep his mind as much as... Maybe it would help him a little bit? Could it also adversely like, affect
1: it? Like someone that's not a friendly... Like, like at all? That being said, the 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 danger is real. Like, whether you're friend or not... You're still getting into a room with a werewolf that has...
0: Except apparently the danger is not the same because a bite doesn't affect animals. It doesn't affect them the same as it would when they're not transformed, which I thought was fascinating.
1: That leads to a whole other line of questions. I know, like we should
0: just, like, leave the animega stuff alone for the spoilers.
1: Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll deep dive hard into all the animega stuff in the spoilers. Um, but Lupin... Goes on to explain how he feels really guilty for hanging out with Sirius and and Peter and and James because he was essentially betraying Dumbledore's trust in putting others in danger right. because no matter how good of friends they were or how good they were at whatever magic they wanted to do, there's an inherent risk and it's oh a God, yeah. it's a mess and not even for them I mean, Lupin goes into talking about how they didn't just stay in the shack they roamed. The forest, the mead, the grounds, and he reflects on it and being like, We were young and thoughtless, like more of an immature. I feel like
0: he said something about like too clever for their own good. That was
1: how he finished it, yes. Uh, So they were very cocky, arrogant about their own talents.
0: Which I think is, I think most teenagers would be, yeah.
1: Young, uh, leading to like a more immature attitude. And thoughtless in that you know they just weren't thinking of like what could have actually really happened
0: really bad
1: things really bad things could have happened we're dealing with a series of books right now where the main characters are young kids they're 13 yep. like we're not giving anybody a pass for doing something recklessly dumb of course not. no matter what age you are it's dangerous um, but you do have to keep in mind that they're not adults. They don't we see consequences the same way. 3
0: year old people sitting here discussing 13-year-old's actions are going <laughs> right. to much more easily see the consequences of said actions than said 13-year-old's. Right. Yes.
1: So, I mean, there, there's a lot going on there, but this is exactly what Lupin's doing. As an older... Uh, God, he is our age, isn't he, about this yeah. time?
0: Yep, yep, yep.
1: Great. Yep. So it is Lupin reflecting on his younger self going like, that was dumb. Like, we should not have done that. Right. It was a bad idea, bad things could happen, and we were outrageously lucky.
0: I would go even further to ask the question, like, I love Lupin. I very much am glad Lupin was able to go to Hogwarts, become friends with the Marauders, and live his life that he lived. I think it was very kind of Dumbledore. I see Dumbledore's viewpoint. How would, say you were a parent of Davy Gudgeon.
1: Davy Gudgeon reference, I love it.
0: Say you found out, like, that a werewolf was a lot... Like, it is inherently dangerous. Like, Dumbledore put in a great plan, but it still wasn't foolproof. And, like, that is was perfect example is of what happens to Snape. Like, a lot of bad things could have happened. Like, I'm not trying to bring up like ron's discrimination or anything like that but like there is an inherent danger to a werewolf being sure. around people
1: no dumbledore took quite a bit of risk uh, no, granted you're I'm also like, I'm glad
0: he did it sure i'm, like, sure, I'm sure. so glad Lupin lived the life he lived
1: if you're dumbledore you almost like take into account i've already established my name for all of eternity. Like, I've done this, this, and this already. Forget, like, what I'm doing as the headmaster of Hogwarts. So he's treating his reputation almost as, like, his own personal, like, Protego. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I like that. don't come at me, I've saved you all. Like, I don't want to hear, yeah. you know, shots at me. I can, ha- and it's, honestly, it's a little bit of his own personality shining through of his own bravado he's confident in himself to fix whatever potential issues
0: come keeping everybody safe from that situation yeah
1: whether it's possible or not doesn't even occur to him because he's prodigiously talented and prodigiously wise so he's like whatever happens i got this i'm freaking dumbledore so anyway um yeah. Lupin goes on on his wonderful monologue to uh, explain that he believed that Sirius did what he did, because mm. uh, to his knowledge, that lined up, that made sense given what he knew of the situation at the time, uh, which goes back to the the Sirius and the Peter switching places bit, Yeah. Uh, which we didn't really talk about in the last chapter, but... Uh, what he means is the the secret keeper. Yes. They they switched secret keeper, which Lupin was aware of, except he didn't know that they switched.
0: Right. He was aware of the I original think, plan. I think everybody in the Order of Phoenix was aware that James and Lily were going under the today. Correct. Of the charm. Yes. But yeah, the switch.
1: That was a very um, inner yeah. inner inner circle yeah. thing. Nope. <laughs> inner, inner, like inner inner inner. Four people. Yes. Side note: How would you feel if you were Lupin, like figuring all this oh, out right now? Oh my god, would
0: right be so hard. Now?
1: Be crushing.
0: Crushing. You're the
1: one left out of that conversation, and you were a well, part of that entire. We group? Thought
0: he was the spy. I know, which but... just goes back to werewolf discrimination from his closest friends. I like. Oh, I feel so sad for him. Uh, uh, Lupin that would, has been so alone for so long. It makes me so. That would sad.
1: crush yep. my soul if it I would put also that together.
0: Make it very hard for me if I were Lupin to forgive serious like i feel like lupin and serious just like go right back to you know embracing as brothers like as soon as lupin figures out the switch i don't know if i would have been as quick to forgive not knowing about the switch Which,
1: i would have that's a complete mind-blowing experience though because on one hand you are elated
0: right because i have people your again. best
1: friend forever yeah. a is
0: love his life
1: His best friend is not a murderer. Um, That's great. But at
0: the same time, yeah, you gotta have... You still have a best friend who is a murderer who pretended to be dead for 12 years. (sighs) Yeah, that's true too.
1: (laughs) That is true. (laughs) So, this is the depths and the levels. And we've talked about that this entire book for Lupin. Like, the depth and levels of the emotions that he must be feeling at any given point in this entire book.
0: Harry goes through a lot. I would argue Lupin goes through more.
1: Uh, Yeah. I would say that because Lupin's a full-grown adult who can fully grasp the complete depth of everything. Harry, bless him, a lot goes over his head. (laughs) And only a couple of things actually Velcro stick. And it's usually the angry, aggressive ones that stick. So Lupin, given all of that, originally believed that it was Sirius using the dark arts to get into Hogwarts. He shoved, as best as he could, the idea that he was using his abilities in Animagus to get around security. As much as he probably knew that that was how he was doing it, uh, he just tried to shove that to the mind because that was another secret he was keeping from Dumbledore, which he right. then felt guilty about. There's so much. I, I do have to bring it back to the light side. <laughs> Animals get in and out of Hogwarts all the time. <laughs> like, now I I, I I get that if Sirius is talking... Well, you're talking about Sirius and Peter in this specific case. And Crookshanks, right? Sirius as a big black dog is getting right. in and out of Hogwarts.
0: Searching He's brought in, but he definitely He wanted.
1: brought in, but he obviously yeah. gets in and out because yeah. he's roaming the grounds with Sirius at some point. Right. And then
0: Peter, Peter as Scabbers,
1: gets in and out.
0: Yeah. So, somehow gets into Hagrid's milk jug.
1: That I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as getting in and out of Hogwarts, obviously Sirius and well, Peter... Well, Scabbers
0: escapes a lot, too.
1: That's fair. I don't know that he leaves the castle, but he does get out a lot. At least of the, the common room. Right. So... I'd imagine Peter and Sirius obviously know some of, if not all of the. They know all of the passageways, mm-hmm. so they they, they, they could enough. squeeze in and out, right. yeah. however which way they need to. And I would guess then Sirius instructed Crookshanks on how to get in and out of the castle. So that's I, think, right, I guess yeah. would explain yeah. that. But I'm just like, <laughs> while reading it, I'm like, wait, how did Crookshanks get out of the castle tonight to meet with Sirius? Like way back when, I did serious when he broke in just being like hey <laughs> i mean Shanks, cats
0: are pretty like resourceful <laughs> you
1: need to go to this thing of armor on whatever floor you need to do. how does it even get in there because you need to do the spell i don't know
0: i don't think Kirkshanks has to use i think he just kind of like walks around
1: just like slinks yeah. out of the door somehow yeah Filch is
0: going out into the grounds to do whatever Filch does, and Crookshanks just slips out behind him.
1: Are you suggesting a Crookshanks-Mrs. Norris relationship right now?
0: Absolutely. Oh my god, for sure.
1: Is that what you're insinuating right now? I think
0: actually Crookshanks and Mrs. Norris are in a relationship. What's
1: their relationship name now?
0: got Shanks.
1: Mrs. Shanks. We're going with it. We're going with Mr. Shanks. Let us know on Twitter and Instagram what your ship name for Kirk Shanks and Mrs. Please Norris do. is. Give us your. That's a whole line of fan fiction I don't want to read.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick with
1: most I was going to say we've talked about a lot of shipping fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> wow, that took a turn. All right, let's. How about we go into? How about we go into the spoiler section now? Uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to get to on the, the non-spoiler bit.
0: Mm, I don't think so. Do you have... want to talk at all about how the chapter ended before we go into Oh,
1: episodes? that's right. We have this big cliffhanger. We have this big, big cliffhanger where the door opens. And everybody's like looking around. And nobody sees anything. And Lupin is particularly curious. And he goes all the way up and he looks really hard. This is epic story.
0: <laughs> he knows something is going on. He knows. He knows.
1: You know who would, should probably know something's going on? Harry. Like, dorm mysteriously opens. And I think Ron goes, like, it's haunted. And Lupin's like, it's not haunted. That's how
0: he gets into the whole story. This
1: has always yeah. been me. <laughs>
0: when did they bring up, because we learn about the details of the, I don't know why they call it a prank, but they call it a prank, that Sirius played on Snape. When they were at school
1: um, that story
0: gets told in this chapter it
1: does get told in this chapter of uh, I think it goes more along the lines of them breaking Dumbledore's trust and then no hermione goes hermione specifically goes
0: yes she brings up the danger that could have happened right uh
1: yes um, Hermione points out like you guys were wandering the grounds as a Werewolf, Like, that's a problem. Which is where, you know, Lupin goes, yeah, we were young and thoughtless. But that's kind of how he gets into this.
0: Which, again, although Lupin feels, how may If I were Lupin, I don't know if I would have been able to forgive Sirius for that. Like, that prank, quote-unquote, is the reason Sirius Black will never be my favorite Marauder. Like, that's a terrible... I mean, they were older when that had to have happened. That had to have happened... 15, 16, 17 years of age. Uh,
1: I would put it around fifth. I'd put it around their fifth year, probably. Yeah. I don't know that for a fact. I would have
0: been really mad at Sirius if I were Lupin. Um, Anyway, that was a tangent.
1: So, Sirius, the whole whole thing was Snape was poking around and trying to figure out where they were going, and he was trying to figure out what Lupin was up to every month and, Mm -hmm. and things like that, and he was getting... Closer and closer to figuring it out. So Sirius was like, okay. And just, he just
0: told him to go how to get to the Shrieking Shack. This
1: is where Lupin's going. Go, go. I mean, he was very direct about it. James was not on board with that game plan. And. It's my boy. Went to stop Snape from going to. Which he had the to shack. do in
0: human form. So he put himself at risk he, as well. That is true. Sorry, okay. I
1: And. So when I read this and I'm reading Lubin's story, I'm like, Anna's going to jump all over this.
0: (laughs) Where do you think the love for James was born? I know. I know.
1: I, I literally... I was reading this with, like, my analytical critiquing objective. Like, I'm reading this book to do a podcast and write notes and do the whole thing. And my secondary monologue was... I was gonna point this out. <laughs> this is where Anna's Love of James started. Like I had a secondary monologue running as I was reading this chapter. You're welcome. Uh, it's almost like we've talked Harry Potter before. Uh, long before this podcast ever started. So. Anyway, yeah, that's that's where that came in. You see everybody's take on it. You see why. Lupin is like, I wasn't a part of this. Like, why are you upset with me? Mm. You understand Snape being...
0: <laughs> well, right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, truly, understandably upset. I was like, I could have, at best, been, like, uh, just scared, uh, whatever, and embarrassed, because, you know, whatever happens. At worst, he could have died.
0: Whatever he thought he was going to find at the end of the tunnel, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a werewolf.
1: I guess he's a smart guy. He might have been piecing together a couple of bits of it.
0: I still don't think he expected to actually find the werewolf well, they're there waiting to, like, bite him.
1: I, I will give you this. It's like, whatever you think is different from ex- expectation. <laughs> like, he might have been thinking, like, he might be doing this every month. And then seeing it is like, oh my, <laughs> like, whoa. But So, anyway, the, the, the mysterious door opening, but no one there. At the perfect dramatic Snape. And I like... <laughs>
0: they're, they're literally talking about the prank, and Harry says, So that's why Snape doesn't like you, because he thought you were in on the joke. And that's when Snape reveals himself. It's. That's right, <laughs> sneered a cold voice from the wall behind Lupin.
1: That is the most. 13-year-old drama queen Snape you are That's ever going to get.
0: snap on <laughs> Like,
1: that is him full-on. Like, we've talked about him kind of, like, being childish sometimes, yeah. letting go of the past. This is him, like, fully reverting back to, like, 13, 14-year-old Snape.
0: He is right back in that moment. Oh,
1: man. Anyway, we should pause. Yeah. yeah. Take a break, and we will come back for a very animagus- Heavy spoiler section. We'll be right back.
0: You, you foul loads of them evil little cockroach!
1: Alright, we are back with the spoiler section of chapter 18 Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. So, thank you. Uh, That's a lot of words. It's a long chapter title. Sure, hold down. Uh, So, in Lupin's big monologue here, he does drop the detail of how the Marauders came to be uh, their different animagus. And he says, after three years, three years it took them uh, to learn and practice, they finally figured it out in their fifth year. Which is a little interesting math, because five minus three, they started in their second year.
0: Twelve years old. That
1: is mind-blowing.
0: Okay, yep.
1: And not to put any shade on Hermione figuring out the Polyjuice Potion in her second year, because she completes the Polyjuice oh, Potion. Yeah. They don't complete in it In one here.
0: try, right.
1: But they have the the ambition and the... Which is a Slytherin trait, oddly enough. But they have the ambition and the...
0: Fortitude? Oh,
1: that's a good word. Like, it is That's a, a good word.
0: Process. Thank you, I like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. They have the ambition and the fortitude to even attempt such... We learned in this book that McGonagall doesn't even bring up being an
0: Animagus until year three. They started this yeah. in two. So one, they already know... What Nanamega says, which, fair enough, all of them have grown up in a wizarding household, so there's that. But also, they had to have gotten into the restricted section to find out what this process is. And I feel like at least a year of this was researching how to do it.
1: At least. I mean, Lupin says that they were... Young and, and somewhat careless. how did
0: they even come up with the idea? Like, oh, you're a werewolf? Maybe if we become animals, that'll be helpful to you. We'll learn how to do this thing. Lupin
1: mentions that they were young and careless, but this requires some forethought. Mm-hmm. And like some real... Hermione, we, we take as like a, a, a special mind and a special brain, which she is. She, is. she absolutely is and Lupin, you know, calls her the you know, brightest witch mm-hmm. of her
0: age. I have no doubt she could do this. Yes. If she set her mind to it. But
1: my point is you have four individuals mm-hmm. that accomplish the task. Three. Yeah, but I would assume Lupin is oh, helping, Lupin's them. helping them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he assume he Lupin is help like
0: them through the actual right.
1: transformation. But I imagine Lupin is Heavily helping the research oh, yeah. and the, the yeah. process and like, hey, how are you going to do this? How are you like, you know, because um, I guess he's often thought of, at least I have often thought of him as like the Hermione of that group, like the brain brain part of it seems a more, I think they're all smart. Don't get me wrong. I was going to say, I all... think we
0: do think of him that way. Like, I think the fandom as a whole yeah. is guilty of thinking him that And as much as I... He is smart. He is a brilliant student. Right. I think James and Sirius are both more talented than him.
1: Lupin is... Whatever you want to call it. The more academic of the... However you want to frame it is fine. My point is that... No, James and Sirius are particularly... You you, use talented, yes, obviously. uh, But they're not... Dim either. They're very bright in their own right, especially when you give them a very focused goal mm-hmm. to obtain, and they're locked in. Uh, they really can lock in and focus and achieve something. And we've talked on the podcast earlier, really briefly. We broke down Peter Pettigrew, and the fact that everybody shortchanges Peter Pettigrew all the time because he's always with James Sirius and Lupin. James Sirius and Lupin. James Sirius and Lupin. They're all this, this, and this, 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 and this. Peter's not an idiot. Even in either. Even telling
0: this story, Lupin says Peter needed all the help that James and Sirius could give.
1: Yeah, he needed he needed a little extra help, and that's fine. But he's so well, he
0: didn't end up half a rat.
1: That's true. I, I think Peter's smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he's more talented than a lot of people give him credit for. He's not to the level of the other three.
0: Right.
1: Sure. Yes. That doesn't mean he's Peter a complete. Just
0: to bring back the Dark Lord.
1: Right. But to the point about, you know, him still being able to accomplish the task, uh, Hermione gives us some fun facts about um, being an animagus, and I, you have a ton on this, but mm. there are only seven registered in the last century. Right. Uh, now, that goes to say seven registered. That does not mean that there are others that aren't registered that have managed to accomplish the task. There's probably a fair few.
0: Which, when I read that in your outline... My first thought was, like, all capital letters, I thought there were a lot of unregistered animagus. Maybe not as many as I was first thinking, because, like, really, when you think about it, yes, it's cool magic, but how many practical uses are there for it, depending on the animal you turn into? And it's still,
1: like, there's a lot of people in the world, so more than seven are more than capable of accomplishing it.
0: Then I read the process of becoming an animagus which is available for anybody who wants to read it on Wizarding World. It is a process. Let's hear it. So it is an eight-step process, which doesn't sound very long. But then, like, you read what it entails. And, like, just, it's so easy to mess up. And I feel like it sounds so intense. I feel like, to me, the way I read it, you're almost, like, changing your whole form that like you're no longer a hundred percent human. So basically, okay, so it starts out quote unquote easy. Now first you have to be talent, skilled in both transfiguration and potions, which I feel like maybe not everybody expects. You start out by carrying a single mandrake leaf, mandrake leaf in your mouth for in a month because it needs to like soak up your saliva and your essence apparently. Which, like, if you swallow it, you have to start over. So I feel like at some point, one of the marauders swallowed it. And that's why I took them. Then there's, like, all these things about adding a dew that hasn't touched sunlight or a human foot. And it needs to do something for a certain amount of time. And then you have to wait for a specific type of storm. But then this is where I feel like it gets really intense. So when this specific storm starts, you have to hold your wand tip over your heart and recite an incantation over and over and over again at sundown and sunrise. And eventually you start to feel a second heartbeat inside of yourself. And like that gets more intense. It's supposed to be very painful. You will feel, quote, a fiery pain And then that second heartbeat you originally felt will get more intense. And then this is where it comes back to a conversation you and I have already had, is that when the fiery pain happens and the intense double heartbeat, that is when the shape of the creature that you're going to transform into will appear in your mind. And you don't have any choice in that creature. It's just like once that second heartbeat starts up, your creature appears in your mind And then as long as it has all gone correctly, that is when you will have your first transformation. And from there, it's a lot of, it seems like, visualization. Like how you turn back into your human, you no longer need a wand to be able to do this back and forth between animal form and human form. You just visualize it in your mind. To get back into human, you have to imagine your human form. To go into your animal form, you imagine your animal form.
1: So this is from the Wizarding World site, right? Mm -hmm. So I I do have one question about the, the choice of the Animagus, or the lack of choice of the Animagus. So wouldn't it be something if James and Sirius had this grand plan, and then they just so happen to be like...
0: Small animals
1: that couldn't control the werewolves. Or not even just small, but just like animals that can't control a werewolf of some sort.
0: Yeah.
1: Like it, that would be highly unfortunate. It would
0: indeed be. Yes.
1: So it's just like, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing you can do about it from everything that I've read. You can't change it. Once you become an Animagus, there is no way to undo it. Like, you are permanently an Animagus for the rest of your life. Um,
1: I have another quick thought that I just wanted to throw at you. Um, We've talked about magic having the potential to be its own actual character through the series. Mm -hmm. Do you think instances like this are where, like, and I've likened it to the Force in Star Wars, where it's, like, the will of the Force, it's, like, do you think this could also be, like, a will of magic like
0: i do because everything i was reading is like so this form that appears in your mind that you don't have a choice in still reflects your personality even to the point it said it was supposed to vaguely um match your physical description so like the one i thought of was serious that like I Even, like, when he was young, he's described as having longer, shaggier hair, and then he's this shaggy, big dog. So, like, somehow, even physical descriptors are supposed to match up. But then, you know, every, a big deal is always made of Harry's Patronus being a stag, just like his father. Well, apparently, for an Animagus, there is a link, according to Wizard World, a known link between your Animagus form and your Patronus form. So, somehow, I feel like it's all involved in your personal inherent magic and, like, your love. Like, maybe, you know, a big deal is always made of Snape's Patronus being the same as Lily's and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, like, all of this magic is somehow inherent to, like, inside of you. So, like, and that's, like you said with the Force, it's all inherent inside of the person.
1: I just... The more you deep dive into it, it you just get the sense like magic's not random, right? Like it's and I it think has that a goes whole, back to yeah. the
0: Marauders helping Remus keep his mind as a werewolf. Yeah, and yeah,
1: it's an interesting kind of discussion to take when you recontextualize it that way. You know what I mean? And I, I guess you kind of answered it with the with the Patronus thing. But I was about to ask you, like, okay, Sirius and the the you know shaggy appearance and the, and the dog, okay, I can get that. Where does James become <laughs> a large stag?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I've never made hundred percent. I actually did a lot of research into it. Maybe when we were talking about Patronuses, about the meaning behind a stag.
1: You think the first time they did this for the first time and they showed each other like <laughs> what forms? <laughs> Sirius is just like, wow little horny there bud huh
0: you know know it happened that way you absolutely know and like you know they also made fun of peter for being a rat oh sure nobody picked up on that all this information that i just got from you know well like one google search that happened to bring me up to the exact wizarding world article that i was looking for all of the research that they did for all these years they didn't get a clue about what peter being a rat would potentially mean for their friendship
1: but yeah, I... I don't know, I guess um, part of that is... You're right, they... If they had done the same potential research that you did on the Wizarding World, they should have come <laughs> to that conclusion of like, well, what does that mean exactly?
0: Being a stag means a loyal leader.
1: I still like my take on it, but that's mine. Whatever. I mean, there's functional uses for one of them being small, like mm-hmm. obviously getting the knot on the yep. the whopping Willow, so... They might've figured, I I believe that they're, and this very well could have been naive, but them thinking like, okay, well, you know, we're all really good friends Mm -hmm. and there's functional real world applications for that being small and useful. They could have just glossed over the potential like flags. I know. You know, and you know.
0: Because at the end of the day, they think they know this person better than they did.
1: Go listen to our, our Peter Pettigrew breakdown, because it's actually a quite good. And we get into the the bits of Peter Pettigrew, like, he couldn't have been happy, like, with James and Lily, for that matter, being killed. He couldn't have been happy about that. Like, a lot of this was, and you just mentioned it, with all four of them keeping it from Lupin. Why? Because they thought he was a traitor. Why? Because Voldemort had created this Mm -hmm. level of suspicion and fear and this fog of war that was very real. And it permeated everybody. So, this idea that Peter was purely, uh, I'm going to screw over James and Lily because I hate them, there might have been a level to that. Uh, uh, jealousness, whatever. Uh, I think there is an
0: inherent inherent bitterness in that's Sure.
1: There is a level between bitterness and exactly. I am going to cause their yes. death. Yeah. And I think Voldy... Peter gets the brunt of that? I don't think Voldy gets nearly <laughs> enough, like...
0: Cut of returning him. He yeah. turned on the Tom Riddle charm that he uses with Hebsubus Smith... And Slughorn. It's a
1: bit of that charm, and it's a bit of the I have killed a whole bunch of people. Right. I won't stop because of you, and I won't stop because of them. I'm going to get them
0: eventually. You're probably going to die when I get them. Why not save yourself?
1: People don't give enough validation to what that first Wizarding War was like. McGonagall in this book gets teary eyed thinking of like, it was awful. Like that time was horrific, and that's McGonagall. So, well, and
0: think about when Moody goes through the picture of the original Order of the Phoenix.
1: They died, like,
0: two days after this what, or whatever.
1: Like yeah, like, four yeah.
0: people left from the original Order, slightly more than that, so, but, like, most of the people in that picture were dead.
1: Like, and I, I'm going to toot our own horn here a little bit, but I'm proud of that discussion that we had because it's a discussion that, me personally, I haven't heard anywhere else. So it's a conversation that's good to have, and it's a little fuller picture of what Peter Pettigrew might have been going through, because I guarantee it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine. Like, that's part. Nobody's
0: life is all rainbows and sunshine.
1: None of that was good for anybody. Right. So, I'm sorry. I went on a tangent. I love it. (laughs) Um, You got a ton more on it.
0: Well, I mean, like, I think it's just more, like, I don't know. It was really hard to organize my thoughts, because I I just feel like there's some, you know, connection between human and animal, and I kept going a lot. I mentioned it in the non-spoiler section, back to the conversation you had with Elizabeth about, like, whether or not Animagus are able to communicate with animals, because, Mm. and then that brought me to the link between the interactions that a werewolf has with the human form versus the animagus form. Like, what is it about an animagus? They're not fully human when they're in that form, obviously, but they're also, you know, like, I just, they have to have some part of their humanness because they clearly still have their mind. And they need to be able to visualize themselves to get back into their human form. But there is inherently a fully animal level to them because the werewolf can't harm them. Like they can't turn them into a werewolf. Mm -hmm. But clearly I think there has to be some sort of level of communication. And inherently is that why Lupin more fully keeps his mind? Because he's basically having a conversation with his friends now and having fun with his friends just in this animal form it's just like I feel like there's whatever the magic there is in this transformation into which uh, everything Wizarding World says is it should not be considered the same as Transfiguration that Transfiguration and Anime Guy are different that basically Anime Guy is a learned skill is the way they put it and they say that it's because it doesn't require a wand and that it's permanent Whereas transfiguration requires a wand, an incantation, and can be reversed. So I just feel like the more I read about it, the more I felt like if you decide to become an animagus, you are somehow inherently changing your form.
1: Like, so like like down to like a molecular yeah. level. like you're literally changing your essence for lack of a better like you're word.
0: still human. Obviously, there's still human in you, but. Some part of you is also now, like, animal. It was just, like, I don't know, it's wild.
1: And you're... I wonder... So, if your personality and who you are... Physically, emotionally, mentally, personality, whatever. If who you are affects what you become as an animagus. I wonder how much of that is like reversed the other way like the more you become this animagus
0: oh like if you like do how those traits
1: then flip did over and Peter's become
0: personality change in some way by living as a rat for 12 years yeah
1: finding ways to survive yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean
0: for sure yeah uh, that's a good reverse
1: I, I was just wondering like if one interacts on the other why can't the other interact on it yeah you know, i think it got to so, well, especially and changing for I mean my, they change it every month for years, mm-hmm. years,
0: years.
1: Even though they didn't, and you I know, feel
0: like they had to have probably started using it a lot more during the war. Like it's
1: it's useful. It's many, a useful trait.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like oh no, I'm about to be caught. Well, Which well,
1: they still turn kept. Turn into
0: a dog and just trot out of this alley.
1: So you're in the Wizarding War, and you're in the Order of the Phoenix. You're still keeping that little tidbit about yourselves
0: Ooh, yeah. private. So true, Dumbledore yeah. didn't know how to use yeah. that
1: to, I guess, full effect. Because uh, he didn't know, apparently. Yeah. So, Which, by the way, is an how impressive magic trick in itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But... Yeah.
0: (laughs) Also, just when you said this, this also made me think. Mm -hmm. Lupin was still changing into a werewolf once a month. He still didn't have the Wolfsbane potion during the first Wizarding World. Yeah. I would bet so much money James and Sirius and, and Peter. I will give it to Peter. I will bet you they still found a way to be there for his transformations. Maybe not all three of them at the same time like it used to be at Hogwarts.
1: I will bet
0: you he still was never alone in a transformation. I'm
1: sure there's practical applications for it, because we we know what his role was in the second second Wizarding War, of being like an underground spy, almost.
0: Oh, he had the same role in the first war. Right. Because I think they said that's the main reason they didn't trust him, that that that's why they thought he was a spy. Because most of the time he was away in the underworld.
1: Okay, so I'm, I'm sure there's practical applications during a war to kind of keep him more in check, but also there had to be times then when they the purpose, the full purpose, was to literally let him go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's tricky. It's a whole lot of, but I mean that i uh, This is deep and not really related, but I mean it's war. You got to take. Chances yeah. and you gotta take, you know,
0: yeah,
1: whatever shots you have, you gotta fire them. So, especially in that especially particular, when
0: you're a losing person, like every day, yeah,
1: yeah, it's people don't talk about the first World war, I don't think, as much. Uh, granted, we don't, we don't talk have about like the
0: first world war very much either, do we? That's we true, about too, world war II.
1: yeah, that's true, too. Funny how those parallel, it's almost like it was done on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, no. Do uh, you have anything else on Animagus? No, I think
0: I went down my full rabbit hole. was awesome.
1: I i have always, always, always been a fan of guests coming on and giving me a full down the rabbit hole deep dive on whatever research oh, they've I done. I
0: hope I communicated it well. That you did. I, you did a great job. That as fascinating job. as I did. So.
1: I think it's really cool. And uh, I appreciate the Animagus research on Wizarding World and all of that. I think people will find that really, really illuminating it was wild
0: maybe i'll post the link on the instagram for us there's an idea
1: and we'll do it on the twitter as well so we'll post all of that let us know what all of your thoughts are on the marauders as a whole on peter Pettigrew, on becoming an animagus what animagus would you become such a question we'll ponder this one (laughs) yeah and get back to it in the final episode we're running long, yeah, but sorry, I, guys. I did want to ask you one question since we're—it's a big Marauder. It's literally uh, Moony, Wormtail, Pettigrew, and Prongs. This is the chapter title here. Yes. So we've uh, talked a little bit about um, when the Marauders' map was personally insulting Severus Snape, mm-hmm. and it literally went line for line mm-hmm. two, three, four insults. The question we posed uh, was. Is that literally each one of the Marauders, all four of them, writing their own particular brand of humor insults into the map? Like, is that their individual personality? Because all four of them contributed.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: So is that each one of their personalities coming through in their sense of humor? Or is it just like the person that just, you know, is like, which insult can I write? Whatever. Is it just like... One of them? Or is it like literally each one of them writing an insult and being like...
0: I think it's each of their personality. Each insult is individual enough. To me, it gives off... You know, you can tell it's coming from a different person. To me. Anyway, I don't know.
1: I would like to believe that it's the four of them because that just makes it fun. And also, like we've talked about already, it it puts them on more equal footing of like... They can each banter with each other and each right. toss and throw different, like, right. you know what I'm saying?
0: Exactly. So Mr. Mooney presents his compliments to Professor Snape and begs him to keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business.
1: Does that sound it's, like Lupin?
0: It's detailed. It's... And he it's uses a, a big word abnormally. <laughs> big word. He's not crass. He's just, it's kind of like sassy to me, you know, it's not... So Yeah. Like let's compare it to Mr. Prongs agrees with Mr. Mooney and would like to add that Professor Snape is an ugly git. It's not you know very doesn't take a lot of thought. It's just like throwing out there. I'm going to call you a name. There's not a lot of cleverness to it. Not that James isn't clever, but like when he's insulting Snape, it's just kind of like I'm just going to say the most you know first thing that comes out. I could
1: buy I could buy James. Yeah, I could buy that for James.
0: It's very hairy. You know, yeah, Harry has some sassy comebacks. Harry is the king of Comebacks,
1: yeah, he's, yeah. But
0: when he's just, like, insulting someone, I feel like he's just gonna, like, throw it out there. And that is very James, too, to me, anyway. Uh,
1: Mr. Padfoot would like to register his astonishment that an idiot like that ever became a professor. That's a little bit more clever. That's a clever little shot. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I like the magic in it that... They've registered that Snape is now a professor at...
0: Right. So, like, and that's... I feel like that right there in and of itself says something about, like, they had to have imbued some part of themselves because the map is still learning things. You know, the map is taking information in.
1: Honestly, reading the last one real quick... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I... I think it might actually be the wittiest.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I wanted. I was like, "Wow, that's a lot better than I remember
1: being." Uh, <laughs> Mr. Wormtail bids Professor Snape good day and advises him to wash his hair. The slime ball.
0: Yeah, that's like, witty. Actually, the the best of them all. <laughs> like,
1: and and you know maybe maybe it's you know how you have to almost like when you're hanging out with a Quidditch star and you're hanging out with the smart kid and you're hanging out with like. Uh, you know, Sirius is just the the cool guy impersonated. You have to, like, almost, you feel like you have to, like, overcompensate a bit. And he just, like, comes up with, like, also, the best But also, I think that shot. might have
0: just been inherently who, like, something about Peter Pettigrew, something about who he was. He made friends with these three intelligent, witty, you know, people. They wouldn't have just been friends with some, you know, giant idiot who couldn't form thoughts. They would not have been friends with Crabbe and Goyle.
1: Right, yeah. No, they would have been making fun of right. Crabbe and Goyle in these like, things. Like, no
0: matter what, like, status Crabbe and Goyle might have had, they would not have been friends with them. It's so, like, there must have always been an inherent wittiness to Peter Petru.
1: What do you think with the moment that he changed was? The fear and anxiety? You know what I mean?
0: So I think... is a
1: side comment that's, like, gonna open up a whole bag of...
0: I've always imagined the last few years of the Marauders' Hogwarts time being more similar to what the seventh year of the books, of, you know, what Harry's seventh year would have been in Hogwarts. There was a lot more darkness. There was a lot more, um, you know, there wasn't, like... Students being tortured. But, you know, they already knew that Snape was really into the dark arts. There was already, like, an underground world of, like, hey, there's this group. You know, we're going to join. This cousin of mine is already part of it as soon as we graduate. Like, I think there was already this, like, kind of underground, dark world in the last few years of the Marauder's time at Hogwarts. And I feel like... Maybe Pettigrew, for whatever reason, Pettigrew had his nose too. I think I think Peter Pettigrew was always the type of person, you know, he made friends with James and Sirius because he could see they were, you know, the group, like you were saying earlier. They were the it group. But he wasn't gonna put all his eggs in one basket. Well. So he always kinda had his ear to the ground with the dark side.
1: To your point, and you're, you're, to bring this around to your wonderful research on Animagus, and it's part of who you are, people automatically assume like rat equals betrayer or rat equals mm-hmm. liar. Rat is also a survivor. Nope. Rats survive in horrific, awful conditions.
0: Any natural disaster you are in, follow the frickin' rats, man. Yeah,
1: they're survivors. Yep. So. That's a a different spin to put on Pettigrew. I wouldn't call it that a positive spin. I'm not, like, saying... That's person
0: I would want to be, but...
1: you, You follow where you're, you know, best able to make it to the next day. Yeah. And if you have Voldemort knocking on your door, the next day becomes a lot better when you're like, I'll do what you need me to do. Right. When you're faced with death.
0: So I think that started at Hogwarts for him, though. Like, I don't think he started plotting, you know, like, uh, I have to, I'm going to, but I think he always kind of knew, like, oh, there's this group, this is the person I should talk to if I ever need to, you know, cover myself with this group. It's clever.
1: It's a clever thing, just in a different way.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? It's, like you
0: said, it's a survivalist.
1: But it's that slimeball quote that's, like, happy, joyful, quick-witted. Right. And it's just not the pedigree that we ever really see. No. Which also makes you wonder with, like, Sirius and Lupin. There was a
0: lot of the two of them, what they were like at school that we didn't get to see. I think that a, a war be, changes you. I,
1: I, yes. Wouldn't it be, I know we've talked about it in don't think it's ever going to happen but if god willing someday we get a marauders prequel
0: oh, i would be so happy
1: i i would love if they showed Pettigrew in this light mm-hmm. a happier joyful fitting in with james fitting in with lily and sirius and lupin not the i don't want them to hit it on the head too hard of like this is what he becomes or right. whatever I wanna see that. I wanna see the slime ball throwing, you oh, know well, yeah. Pettigrew. I, yep. I think it'd be really cool. And then just make the the actual series that much harder to take. you know what I'm saying?
0: I would love a series. I've always said I want it to start at the end of Snape's Worst Memory, and I want it to go up until Halloween
1: 1981. Yeah. If we got the prequel of Peter Pettigrew where he's best friends forever with the other three and then we see the darkness that follows that hits so much harder than it does with just like ah, he's a rat it was obviously coming it's a good conversation anyway uh i think we covered pretty much everything is there anything else you want to talk about
0: not
1: anything i have okay uh that was a great conversation hopefully everyone enjoyed it that was listening we really appreciate you sticking with us through a long episode Uh, i wish i could tell you that i didn't foresee these (laughs) chapters being long um but i knew anna loved them so much so sorry guys that's okay stick with us we got this (laughs) this book gets crazy so Uh, stick with us for the next couple of chapters and the end of Prisoner of Azkaban which is coming soon.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so sad.
1: I know. So we got a lot of good conversations left to have. So join us. Talk with us on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, for Anna.
0: Hi. It was fun. Thanks.
1: I'm Dan. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast.